Manor. Hello and welcome to Tut Manor podcast. It's episode nine of the 23-24 season. And we're back. The last pod was a few weeks ago. We were talking about Mr. Manning departing the club. Who is Liam Manning? We'll get to that. Things have moved on. Desi's home. Uh, we'll get on to that in a minute. Who have we got on the pod? The classic four. Connor. Good day. Good day, sir. How are you? Good. Who have you seen in Tesco's? No one, actually. No one at all. <laughs> okay, good. John, anyone? Any supermarket? No. <laughs> okay, good. Jack, have you been to a supermarket? Whatever. Well, the last yes. three and a half weeks. Who would you most yes. like to bump into of the current squad in Tesco? Yeah, that's what I want to know. The quest- that's the question. You should host this, John. It'd probably be better. Alex Gorin, as he two-foots the uh, <laughs> shopping assistant... Because they've run out of spam, something Estrella, Estrella, <laughs> or Paella. One of the two would have worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got Orient to talk about. Um, beer that was just after uh, Liam Manning departed. Uh, that uh, we'll have to reference that beautiful photo. One of the best photos I've seen for a long time of Craig Shaw and the guys behind them. We'll get onto that, but it's so lovely. I want to get it framed. Above the front door, maybe. Um, anyway, Orient, then Cheltenham, and then Bolton. I'm quite glad Bolton happened last night because lots of positivity to kind of help put a bit of balance back into today and not going down a horrible, fickle road, which we sometimes go. I definitely go down, so it's definitely helped me. Um, yeah, so should we get on to Desi? Straight away, we're going to probably jump into Desi and then talk about Orient, which was pre-Desi, but we'll we'll get there. I'm going to call him can we, Desi. Can we, can we discuss? I, I'm just, we've never, we haven't we haven't agreed on this Desi. I designa- designation that that feels like a big issue given we pioneered KR. So do we want? I can explain Desi? it. I'm actually not doing this intentionally, but I grew up knowing the guy. So, Here we go. Yeah. It's already come out. Look, yeah, I, I yeah. wondered how long it would take before this came out. <laughs> oh, I'm friends. With, I've got his well, number. I, thought, I texted him actually last week. When he got the role, I did try and message him and then he, he didn't I know message you did. me back. So it didn't work. But he used to be known as Desi. If you're listening. He used to be known as Desi. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, he grew on, up Des. in Cowley and he used to swim at Temple Cowley Pool for Oxford Swimming Club. And so me and him used to go on the back of uh, the coach to go out, meet a pear tree roundabout where the park and ride is. And we used to go to various swimming galas across the country. And he was a couple of years older than me. So he was one of the cool kids Ooh, that sat at the back. But he was called friends. Desi. He was never Des. Des is swimming like an 80-year-old man. But I don't know. Swimming yeah. swimming friends. Swimming friends. <laughs> but it's been... Cowley, it ha- coach friends. Yes. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> but it has been funny because there's more of those. Everyone, there's lots of people with those types of stories. And it's very close to home so it's obviously why everyone's so keen on the whole thing working but jack the man's 38 part of the wider city group what does that mean to you the wider city group philosophy footballing style everyone kept saying it without going into depth on what it actually means uh they employ good coaches right around all their clubs across the world so it's a good it's a good uh foundation to be coming from much better than some previous managers we've had who've come kind of from obscure uh, places. So yeah, I think the 
the classic cliches is football education is very good, probably far above what we normally get at Oxford United. So um, it remains to be seen how that kind of translates into the rough and tumble of League One, but it's on paper, uh, it looks very good. And he worked under Wilder at Oxford, Connor, so you saw those photos coming out where he looked young and sprightly. In his late teens, maybe, even? Maybe a bit later. Yeah, he said he stayed in Oxford until he was 28, didn't he? So I'm not quite sure how old he was when he was working during that period. But I know that, I know that, for example, one of my friends who I've spoken about on the podcast before, Lewis, he um, he did his his college course Ooh, at Oxford. Friends, friends. <laughs> <laughs> he um, he did his uh, college education at Oxford United, and Des was one of his coaches at the time. So he's also friends with uh with des or has known him um so yeah he you know obviously the 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 local links are extremely exciting and they certainly pull on the heartstrings as a as a as a football fan i mean let's be honest if i think if any club on the planet for a fan who is from the area and you have someone again you know from the local area who knows the club inside out who supports the club you know at the top of the tree i suppose in in terms of the football operations you know it's a it's an exciting exciting prospect isn't it i mean it, it just like i say it just it just it pulls on the heartstrings a little bit and you just hope that um things go really well for him i mean clearly we've seen today that that mark bonner has been let let um, yeah. go of his duties at, at cambridge and he's a big cambridge fan isn't he so, he's from you know yeah i, I didn't realize yeah. that he was from cambridge and everything yeah so. I, mean, I mean he he in in all fairness, he has had a very good run at Cambridge, so he can probably leave with his head held high, given what he has done there. And you just hope that it's a similar story with Des that you know he does stay for a good. Yeah, you know, hopefully he sees his contract out, and if not beyond, that's uh, a very unusual thing to say nowadays because it doesn't seem to happen very often. But it would be fantastic for him to bring success to the club, given the fact he is you know a local yeah a local and, lad. And John, that. Connor's just touched on the contract, but very quickly and publicly, 3.5-year contract discussed, not disclosed. Wasn't Manning on... Manning was referred to as being on some kind of rolling-type deal, wasn't he? So the club's kind of shown that commitment there. Yeah, I mean, when I used to play badminton with Des back in the day... You've been queuing that up, haven't you? (laughs) You always talked about his keenness on long-term contract. (laughs) Um, dick no it's um i mean yeah it's good to have that locked in and it's great that he's all great he's an oxford boy he's he's really gonna any potential luring away if he's successful is going to be pretty difficult for him i mean i I wasn't sort of i suppose i was kind of medium cock-a-hoop about his appointment really like there wasn't there's never such a thing as a perfect candidate um the point that Jack's made is about the translation into the EFL. Um, but I think it's, you know, if you, there's a, it's a safe enough bet and it was always going to be a, a, a bet really given the the other candidates who, well, there wasn't really a kind of a candidate who would sort of be able to surpass. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, overall, I think it's, it's a cliche, but if he gets off to a reasonable start and we kind of maintain position, then, you know, it's, it's, um it's all good really, isn't it? Yeah. He's a, He's exactly the sort of person you want to be sticking around for the next two to three years. And, and you want to keep on that kind of young, progressive football manager or head coach journey, don't you? You don't want to go to, um, I don't know, what we joked about Warnock, but <laughs> it would have been a bit of a, a bit of a step change to 
I just think it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, they were kind of saying, even if he didn't have the, like the Oxford backdrop is the icing on the cake, isn't it? It's, he would have been an attractive proposition, you know, regardless of obviously of that Oxford connection, it's just a, a bonus. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that kind of the philosophy plays out and whether there is um, some liking to what, how Manning approached things. Um, and when we get to like January, the types of players that Des will be going after. I said Des that time. Um, we paid a fee as well, didn't we? It was quite widely publicised. We paid a fee. It was non-negotiable uh, listening to um, Tim Williams, was it? Talk yeah. Talk about it. It was yeah. just said it was not negotiated. It was just we, we knew the fee. We had to pay it to get him out. Um, Jack, the one thing... Uh, that was referenced was about there hasn't really been um, a Chris Hogg type person following him and we all know we've got a bit of a gap in the analysis department so I don't think we've had any news on that but Jerome was suggesting that we're in the market for people who to get them out of contracts yeah that sounds to be the latest thing is which is probably quite exciting in its own right going and finding a member of coaching staff who's employed elsewhere rather than just grabbing someone who happens to be available. Um, but yeah, the coaching department needs those additions, um, specifically the analysis piece. I think we got away a little bit with these couple of games because they're always kind of three or four games ahead. Um, but I doubt there's been much analysis done on Grimsby, for example. Um, so yeah, to get those kind of key roles in place, both from a recruitment point of view and um, in the kind of wider tactics and approach, sooner rather than later um would be preferable yeah cool but um yeah it's kind of nice we've had a couple of games to to kind of let des bed in and then we can obviously reflect on the matches so i think we just go over to that before we do that though let's have a quick shout about orient so connor we were there obviously we were craig short was in charge again was that his second yeah. or third spell doing that can't remember now. Definitely, definitely second. At least second. Yeah. Um, and it felt interesting going into that game because they'd only lost one in nine, I think, going into that. Um, yeah. And they'd had a really good home record. And all of the Orient fans in the pub near the <laughs> the ground before were like, right, we'll play such progressive football through the lines. You'll be mega impressed. Great game today. It'll be fabulous. And then you got to the match and they were so like Derby away. <laughs> through the lines. What? Oh, play through the lines. You know, honestly, the, the proper geese, they were really nice blokes, but they just couldn't stop talking about the quality of their football on the deck. And as soon as they, do you remember when we played Derby away and it was like every free kick they got, regardless of where it was, they were, it took four minutes to take. They were piling the box. Yeah. It was yeah, very, it felt very similar at times with Orin, but to be fair to them, and Craig Short talked about it afterwards, it added so much unpredictability. They didn't want to play, have us in a football match, and it meant that things dropped and they had chances as a result, and they scored at least definitely one from one of those situations, and the other one was a bit of a mess. It was the own goal, wasn't it? But um, I mean, that's the sad reality of that that type of football, though. Like Cheltenham was like that on steroids. Um, yeah, you know. I remember thinking that against Leighton Orient, there was a little bit more space available and we could kind of impose our play on it. On it, And after about 20 minutes or so, we'd sort of work them out and it was kind of like, look, if we don't make too many mistakes, sort of from a percentage numbers of balls in the box, we'll probably be all right here. 
Yeah, and um, Connor, there was that chance. We'll talk. I imagine we'll talk about Mark Harris a bit, and I think he's adding a lot of value beyond the goals. But there was a moment, wasn't there, when it was still nil nil. We had that beautiful <laughs> bit of play that yeah. originated from Beedle within ten seconds. Mills was right. Rodriguez cut them apart. Mills first time or second time ball across, and Harris was there. And it just it just isn't going for him in that that respect, is it? No, and it still hasn't two couple of games later either. But yeah, that was certainly a um it was heart in the mouth moment and then it was a hands over the eyes moment as well straight afterwards when he then missed the follow up and the rebound. Um it was the rebound yeah. that was probably worse, wasn't it? Worse, I think it probably was, to be honest, with his left foot, yeah. Um but I think to be honest with you, I, I I've said in the previous podcasts and I still stick by it that I do think Harris offers an awful lot more than what people give him credit for. Um, because he hasn't scored a goal. Um, and strikers, yes, I understand. You look at the competitors around us, you've got Dion Charles at Bolton, you've got Colby Bishop at Portsmouth, you know, you've got Alfie May at Charlton. You've like Hoskins and Northampton, yeah, those Hoskins, bagging yeah, loads of goals. It's like bagging loads of goals, yeah. yeah. You know, you look at those those players and you start to think, yeah, if only Oxford had one of those. But it's never quite as simple as that, is it? You know, our goals have come from various places around around the team and long may that continue. Yes, we do need a, a, a goal-scoring striker. Every club does. But, you know, I'd rather have goals coming from different areas of the pitch than relying on one player that, gets suspended, gets injured, etc. And everything starts to crumble around it. So I think he, he gets a lot of stick, but particularly mm. for that chance. Yes, it was a shame that he missed it. <laughs> Jack, do you, Jack, do you buy into that on the, like, do you think to get promoted, you need to have a player that's getting 10, 15 goals at least type thing? If you think about our previous promotion seasons, it's been what, Bino and then Midson even probably getting easily into double figures. And then we had Circum and Roof smashing um, above and just under 20, 15, 16. I think it was um, George Ellick wrote a piece a few weeks ago about this um, kind of um, pie-in-the-sky idea of a 20-goal striker gets you promoted. Mm. Um, and the kind of reference Johnson Clark Harris last season scored a hat full, Peter didn't go up, etc. etc. And actually, a lot of the teams that do go up often have four or five players who score maybe eight to ten goals each. Um, I think the style we play, and this is something that I think is probably a wider conversation, and it's definitely a conversation in the fan base. There's this, there seems to be this assumption that by bu- buying a striker in January means he's going to score loads of goals. But I think the style we play doesn't necessarily mean that a central striker scores loads of goals. Um, they've got to be more rounded, which I think is what we see from Mark Harris, that he gets involved in the play. He actually looks quite good when he pulls out wide as well. He played a lot of games for Cardiff, kind of not as a winger as such, but as a wide forward. Um so it's it's an interesting one because I thought last night Harris did a lot of what Rodriguez does in, in terms of dropping into the hole. I was surprised by how far forward Bowden played last night. I expected him to be doing the kind of Rodriguez role. But as a as a striker not scoring goals, I think it's the classic thing of if, if we stop scoring as a squad, then everyone starts pointing at the striker. But if he was never scoring goals in the first place, you know, you, you can make an issue out of it when you want to make an issue out of yeah. it. I don't think it's a, a a massive problem for us at the moment. Although I think the problem with that, though, is that a lot of fans, particularly what I hear around the stadium in terms of the actual reactions, 
in a game situation, and a lot of people are already trying to point fingers at Harris, and I and I personally don't agree with that. He but. he is playing well though. He is. But the the problem is, John, we were watching. Obviously, we'll jump around, but watching the Bolton game last night, the amount of times Mills or someone was getting down, it was generally Mills, probably early second half especially, he was managing to get the space down the right. And you could see there was just no one in the middle. And that's kind of, it's not all on Harris, is it? But if you are the, the number nine, you've got to be in the, you've got to be playing off the line when you've got players with the likes of Mills kind of, I don't know, getting into the position to get balls in. Yeah, I think it's it's almost game to game with Harris. I think Orient, the way they played, which was a little bit higher up, played into Harris's strengths and allowed him to get into the positions, make the runs that Rodriguez found him on. Then Cheltenham, they're very deep, compacting the pitch, kind of giving him very little space to sort of get get some sort of speed up and play into different areas. Yeah, He kind of ends up in a bit of a mixed space. And then last night, I think you just give Bolton a lot of credit for kind of really sort of not giving him either or in that sort of space. So I think you're right, though. There's He does a lot of things right, and he can't be in two places at once. Um, sometimes you, you'd expect him to be bursting more into the box and be ahead of play, whereas it's suggesting he's dropping off too much. Um but that may not be his fault because other players players aren't sort of effectively pushing him up the pitch by being where he's going into. So the, there's a lot of complexity to it, and it's not the finishing thing of some of these chances you've got to call him out for. Like, and I'd say the same for Bowden as well about some of the shots he's kind of that are not quite good enough, or he's mishitting and those sort of stuff. So yeah, you can't pin it on him completely. But there's a few things that would, you know, the point, whole point about the signing a striker thing is it's not that they're going to come in and score 15, 20 goals. It's a bit of a competition element, and they may click with better with other players. Um, Ma- you know, Mario, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's gone, Jack. No, I was just going to say, um, John's kind of uh, basically summarised the point that Oxford Analytics put out earlier today, where he basically said. Basically, due to the lack of alternative, Harris is being asked to play in matches that you know don't really suit him. So, a Cheltenham, for example, where you probably want a bit someone to mix it up a little bit. Um, he said he's got a load of strengths as an asset, but it feels tough to criticise him for something he isn't. I.e., a bloke who's going to go battering a centre back out of the way to get on the end of the cross. Um, I think actually the game last night, if Rodriguez was playing, I think Harris would have got in behind um, who's the big lad for Bolton Santos yeah. quite easily. I think Rodriguez and Lee to that extent were big misses last night just just for how we would have had joy against Bolton. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, the recruitment failure was not having that alternative option. And I think we discussed that O'Donnell's showing that he's just not ready to be the alternative option. No. No. Which we've been saying for a very long time, to be fair. And I think a lot of people probably have been as well, but no one wants to admit it because he's one of our own. And that's the problem. <laughs> I think that's at the point now where you do you want to get that signing done in January and you want him to probably go out on loan. Yeah. I um, want to see him in a in a white and blue striped shirt. Yeah, that would be good. Shirt, it? Rather. It yeah. looks made, made for him to go to Oxford City. Yeah, save them for relegation from the National League. 
by playing an absolute blinder and yeah. come back to us next season like a proper striker. <laughs> How are they doing now? They went on a terrible run, but they got a couple of wins, didn't they? Mm, Lost still, to York still the other struggling. day. Are they? Yeah, they're still struggling, yeah. Um, wasn't there quite a lot of Yorkshire Yellows going to the York-Oxford City game? And us, we were like, what song? Hopefully you weren't joining it. Were you joining in with Chance? Like, apparently they sing about City quite a lot. Don't know. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> None of us went, James. <laughs> I thought th- there was like seven of the guys in the Oxford chat. Yeah, they they're not on the podcast, yeah, was... though, are they? <laughs> it's like 20% of the uh, away fans or something. Yeah. Um Orient I guess we went three 0 up in that game. That first Rodriguez goal was was ace and to be fair, that was a Harris assist after the keeper just pelted it straight at him, controlled it well, laid it off, great finish. Um Rodriguez then hit the the inside the post, that Bowden kind of stooped header, went in at two nil, everything was great. Everyone piled down into the concourse and they weren't serving beer and everyone just was like, ah, oh, just ruined the buzz. And oh then, no, uh, the buzz co- the buzz continued <coughs> down there. It was fine. With the the songs atmosphere that were being sung. Yeah, the atmosphere it was, was ace, wasn't it? Especially they, like you know, first first like yeah. fifty minutes. Yeah, honest. Well, I think to be honest with you, honestly, I can say that letting Orient away was one of the best away games I've done in a long time. Yeah, to be honest. I mean, I go to a lot of games as well, unlike John. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> loads of games so, recently. I don't know what <laughs> um, so. Yeah, it was a really, it was actually a really good away day because the atmosphere was excellent. The, yeah, it was the fans good. were well on it. It was um, very good. And then, obviously, they as soon as we got three 0 up, they got one instantly back with their own goal. And then, sixty fourth minute was when they got their second goal. It went quite quiet in the in the away end for about twenty minutes I, until we started. I really, it. I really think when we went when it got back to three two, I do think there was an excellent decision made which was to bring Negru on and yeah. go to that back three and and just add height add aerial ability to the back you know the back line I really think that decision was was excellent from the coaching staff to make that change and that was what ultimately saw us um see the game out yeah Negru looked really good coming on that day but then when we mm. played Cheltenham he looked like oh. a player who'd never played for us before he lost, type thing. He? yeah he looked it, it wasn't yeah. so much his positioning it was his how he was on the ball and it was just Maybe it was the elbow to the face that he got but we'll talk about that oh, in a gosh, moment, yeah, sure. we'll get on to that anyway we I give a lot of credit to more for that um and maybe i'm taking a snippet out of that sort of um best player worst player that they've um not best, the, the video they put out on social media where he sort of made a reference to how calm elliot moore is but it, it may be that he just talks him through a lot of games. Yeah, I think you've got. I think you've got a point there, John. To be fair, because I, I think I think Elliot Moore really is that calming figure, controlling figure amongst the back, the back three, or back four, back five, whatever you want to call it. As I think, you know, he's an excellent organizer. I mean, he's a clear leader. So I, I, I do agree with you. I think he he obviously helps to kind of coach coach players alongside him, including some of the more experienced players that also play with him. You know like Kieran Brown, you know, he's still young, but he's pretty experienced and he's played at international level. And the same with Jordan Thornley. Moore's really come into his own, isn't he? We used to give him a bit of jip on this podcast, but now Mm -hmm. you you really do notice when he's not there. Um, And even his quality actually on the ball as well as his composure is definitely, it's mixed. It's definitely, he's got a lot better as a player. He really has. He really has developed. Um, he's good. He's very good against that attritional style of football 
like I'm sure if he was um, playing against Cheltenham, there would have been a little bit more kind of composure at times. I think he was a massive miss for the Cheltenham game, given the fact that their number nine was just dominating in the air. Um, Thorne and Negu couldn't handle him at all, and he won pretty much everything. And I think Elliot Moore was was obviously instrumental in that regard um, in terms of defending our own box aerially. Um, so I think even on that sense, you know, defensive side of the game, we missed him massively. But I also agree with how he's developed as a footballer. You know, with how he is on the ball, he, he's kind of looking more like a a kind of a dicky um, every game. To be honest, he's you know he's very comfortable on it. He, you only saw that last night against Bolton. He was excellent. Yeah, it was good. Um, cool. So, as I said, that was Orient's second loss in 10 games after we beat them, and they were unbeaten in five going in. And that was our 11th win of the season, which was 16 games into the cam- campaign, and it took us uh, until the second last, the penultimate game of last season to get to that same figure, which is where we ended the campaign after losing. We lost to Ori- uh, Accrington, didn't we, on the last day? last year that's nuts though isn't it to be in um <laughs> be in november and be in that that same state in the wins column um and then yeah just to finish that photo jack of uh craig short we were kind of we were forcing him to do the the pump the fist pump and um he sort of did it it was very brief whoever was waiting with the camera did a very good job didn't was, they to capture the steve, moment yeah it was it was steve daniels that took the photo um nice. steve is you know he's ever present at every Oxford yeah, game. Yeah, he posts all his photos bloke, and things he? on. He's excellent. Yeah, Steve's Steve's a really good guy. He's a fantastic photographer as well, as you can see by some of these snaps he gets. Yeah, I just love that photo because obviously all the players are laughing. You can see Brannigan peeking around to get a glimpse of what's going on, and then all the players that are on the bench did, didn't get minutes. They're looking just as happy, and I just, I just loved all of that kind of that unity, that squad. We just lost our manager. Just won a great game away from home and um that song was going on for a while in the the stands and the players were and were just lapping it up weren't they with a smile on their face which is a great great moment for the for everyone i think um yeah um cheltenham wasn't quite as nice uh mr buckingham's first game in charge connor you were you were there weren't you you, you put a lot of effort into getting a ticket I did, yeah. I put a lot of in. Yeah, I did. Eventually got one, um, thanks to a um, a guy who messaged through the podcast. So if he is a listener, and thank you very much for that. I do appreciate it. Um, he uh, he didn't try to charge me forty quid for a ticket, so that's quite nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I did eventually get a ticket, which is great. I went on the train. Um, it's a really nice, really nice journey to be fair through the Cotswolds and all the rest of it. It's nice. Um, but like tell, you say, tell us more. It was ah. Oh, How I mean, many trees did you say? Quite a Michael few. Portillo. Quite a few. We, you know, went and had some food, and we got to Cheltenham. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, what did yeah. you eat? <laughs> Don't worry, Jack. I'm not going to go. The, that did you detail. find the completely Suzuki Stadium? That's the. I did. Yeah, yeah, the completely Suzuki Stadium, which is a very interesting sponsorship naming rights deal they've got going on there. Um, yeah, it certainly was not the fairy tale welcome back to Oxford United Des Buckingham performance was it let's be honest no um I th- they had circum in their team and stuff didn't they as well i don't think there's many players that have such a unique like running style as liam so yeah mm. no neck yeah. very he gets 
Got a very good reception. Did he? Which is good. What's the, yeah, I yeah, kind of forgot did, yeah. what the... There was a bit of animosity yeah. around Circum's exit or something, but I don't really remember. Am I just in the dark on it? I can't I remember. It was more from him than... Oh, was it? Apparently he left a nick under a cloud. And... It was allegedly something happened after the JPT final between him and Appleton, which rather saw him head out the door quicker than expected. Okay. Okay. Um, it felt, John, the beginning of this game was very similar to Stevenage away, where they kind of just were pumping things up really high press, causing us a lot of problems. And in that game, Stevenage um, obviously took the lead. And um, yeah, Cheltenham ended up... We were just kind of coming back into the game at the point where they scored, which was a bit annoying. But um, that's how it felt to me anyway. Yeah, I think we just didn't manage and sort of to Cheltenham's credit, even though the football they were playing was proper League Two stuff. Um, we didn't manage, and it's a small pitch as well, we didn't manage to have that moment to kind of set ourselves. And against Stevenage, you saw McGuane and Alight kind of getting on the ball and forcing Stevenage to think again as to some of their tactics, and they kind of ran out of ideas. But Cheltenham sort of from the off, I mean, literally from the kickoff, kind of got that sort of, relentless recycling going, getting the ball into the box. Criticise us a lot for some of the second balls that we weren't winning from the sort of knockdowns and there was a lot of shots from the edge of the area that kind of got blocked and the like. Um, Yeah, so I think sort of Cheltenham executed their style incredibly well and forced us to sort of have to play very, very intricate football. Um, And this is where you think there should have been some space longer which mm. we didn't really look to try and do except for that pass that you and I James were drooling over from Rodriguez oh. we sort of <clears throat> that was unbelievable clicked. that pass yeah. over the top Bowden great first touch managed to pass it back to Rodriguez who was coming onto it the keeper was in no man's land and then there was just too many bodies between him and the goal mm. this would have been at the upset end to you Connor I don't know if you remember that moment yeah I, I generally can't to be honest <laughs> I was just I was I was just gonna say that I think actually we need to give a bit more credit to Cheltenham because I, I really think they got the game plan absolutely spot on against us on Saturday. They made the pitch incredibly small. They played a very high aggressive press, but they also played a high line and they really stopped players like Brannigan and McGuane turning on them. They really, really were man for man and won nearly every duel in the middle of the park when we did try to play through and we and we couldn't get through them. And like you said, you know, I think... The alternate option was to try and play longer, a bit quicker, and try and get in behind. But that didn't materialise. Um, but that, but, the, but I do, they're bottom of the really league. Think, the, the, they've gone, I know, they've gone but, back to the bottom of the league last night. But that doesn't make they? a difference. I'm sorry. It doesn't make a difference what position any team is in the league. If a team has sussed you out and on the day their 11 players are playing better than your 11 players, which is what ended up happening against Cheltenham, you know, they're going to get a result. They were, at the, be- they were the better side. Yeah. And I... I don't care whether anyone wants to say, "Oh, yeah, but look at their Brexit football or Wickham style football, Brexit. whatever you want, whatever you want to call it." It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, they they came with a game plan and they executed it extremely what, well, what, and we and we didn't. What, so, what I was going to get, I completely agree with all of that. But it, what I was going to get at is that there is a there is a thought process of teams can come to shithouse you. They can try and avoid, like you know, similar to what we we're saying about Orient and what we we're saying about Stevenage. But we are a good footballing side, and it's the but case. They stopped us playing it, though. Didn't you? James, that's the thing. But, it's, 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 
we need to they deal with this. They stopped us playing that. It, oh, I agree. George, I agree. George Ellick talked on the, um, what's it called? The dub. Didn't he say like our defeats? When you look at who our defe- defeats have come to. Yeah. Quite, Cambridge. Yeah, quite Vail. similar sides yeah, are, that are yeah. struggling that will need to play basically set up in a similar way to kind of stop us playing more so than playing themselves. And it's like, we, if we are this great progressive team that plays through the lines and we, we need an A, a plan A and a plan B, don't we? Basically to cope. And that's the... this this. So against this type of football, then it falls to you to get your two midfield players to stand up and get the ball to the wide players and to someone like Mills and say to them, right, you need to drive at them, push them back. And this is perhaps a wider conversation about Mills and his. I think I'm more sold on him than our, after the Lincoln performance. But there were times during Bolton, times during Cambridge, where he doesn't make a good decision and doesn't seem willing to try and have a go. And against a team like Cheltenham, you basically need to push them back so that yeah. they can't get as close to each other mm. when they do knock balls into certain places. Yeah. That's what Murphy did, then, didn't he, when he came on? Yeah. That's what he did. But again, that was 10 v 11 at that point. Yeah. they So they got that. Their, their first goal was from a corner, wasn't it? It was a really good finish. It just dropped to the edge of the box and just went through bodies into the corner. Then that sending off was just a no-brainer, wasn't it? Red cards. 100%. Disgusting challenge. Yeah, crazy, crazy idea. Negri seems to... I don't, I don't know if he winds people up, but remember that Port Vale had absolutely mm. smashed him a couple of... Uh, last season and broke his neck. Like... Yeah, there's two challenges where he's just been lined up for an elbow <laughs> seemingly from nowhere it's, it's quite odd yeah um i hope he does <laughs> i hope he does one of those wine like whining real i imagine he probably does to be fair he does come across as a little bit of a, a bit of cat bit of a character maybe he barks in their ear or something <laughs> um the the beyond that rodriguez chance first half um where Bowden played it back to him. The the main chance everyone was talking about was second half where it fell again to Ruben. Just it looked like it was what but just on the edge of the six yard box or near the penalty spot or something. Yeah. What did it look like from behind the goal, Connor? Because I've heard well, people it looked, like just... a, it looked like a sitter. It looked like a sitter, but when you watch it back, it was a little bit more difficult than I think most people anticipated it to be. But you still expect him to score. If you look at if you that, look at the footage, that that, there's a really funny. <laughs> there's people like about a group of like ten fans in different places just put their like kind of die <laughs> when he misses. I was I, I was one of those. I basically I just sunk kind of to the yeah, I kind of sunk a bit because I I generally think you know if that goes in, I think it's a completely different game because yeah. we really were we really were knocking on the door and. It, as you're in the stadium, though, I, I always get these impressions when these types of games occur. You you just have a strange feeling it's not going to happen today. And that was kind of the feeling that I got after that miss. You were like, it's just not going to happen, is it? Like, <laughs> just nothing's going to find the back of the net. Yeah. Um, and, what, and it what, didn't. What was the... Yeah, Murphy was the one that drove down the left to put yeah. the ball across for that yeah, as well. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And you've got to think what that does for him if that goes in. Murphy's like, mm-hmm. right. I've got the beating of this guy. I'll get to your point, Connor. I think it just yeah. gives that extra drive to everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the thing I, I also found it strange when um is it was it Goodrum that came on? Um uh, it was Goodrum, good, wasn't it? Well a few. We had Murphy. Good, yeah, good, and, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, and then and then they swapped yeah, it was Goodrum that came on, then they swapped Josh and they put Josh out on the other side. And I found that a bit of a strange decision because actually for most of the half 
even after the red card when um, Rodriguez got stupidly sent off for a back chatting in the first instance and then a, a, a stupid, stupid, I don't know what you want to call it, a grab, a, a cuddle, God knows what it was really, what he was doing you know, nipping it at this That's guy's feet. It's, it's never a yellow card in a million It's not a yellow card. Though. No, it's not. But the thing is, is you've got to, you've got to remember, I think, that the referees at this level, they're going to have any opportunity to send a player off who's been gobbing off at them for the past... 25 minutes in a game you know he's probably he's going to do it and I think that's what happened unfortunately the the most annoying thing about that and it comes back to the word consistency that seems to be being used a lot for league one referees this year when you look at the highlights Rodriguez got fouled four times during the game for exactly the same thing and not one of their players got booked and then to your point Connor he's on a yellow so it's an easy second one to give off you go kind of thing and we saw it again with the referee in the Bolton game last night. The consistency of A, what is a foul, and B, what is a yellow card, is it's getting worse season yeah. by season. We've even within the same game. It, it's nuts. It, that's I'm not, the thing I'm that not does surprise. Me. It's when it's Ruben was so wound up. It's when it's within the same game, and we did have examples of it last night. It, it drives me nuts. But, but that's the thing, isn't it? Is it's like you know, I'm not a, I'm not a referee, and I've and I've not. I've not well. I have done a refereeing course of level one back in the day, but it's it's what is is there an objective? Is there an objective yellow card and an objective red card? And not necessarily is there. There never is going to be. So again, you know, to your point, yeah, there might be um, instances of inconsistency, which there obviously is. But again, if you're a referee and you've had Rodriguez in your ear for the last twenty five minutes plus you know, abusing you, I imagine, and saying things that he shouldn't be saying, he's going to get a yellow card, right? But then if that then, and then a foul crops up, you're under the obligation to send him off because you don't want him on the pitch anymore. And it's like, well, I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but he's putting himself in that position. Yeah, there's a bit of maturing that needs to probably happen. A bit of discipline needs to come into the team. And um, Connor, we need to know more about level one refereeing. Is that like water yeah. skills too? At the, we, do we come to you? <laughs> no, for, I used to. I used to. Ref- how you, you learn how to blow a whistle. Yeah, yeah well, I used, to, stage I used one to. referee. Complete. Yeah, I used to referee my my nephew's games. So, yeah, I had to do a refereeing course. So I technically do earn okay, number we'll, one we'll, refereeing we'll, qualification. We'll come but. to you for. You'll be. It'll be like on BT Sport when they go to yeah, Howard I, Webb. I was gonna say I could be the Howard Webb. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'll back the referee. I won't. <laughs> you strike me more of a Clattenburg. The web, but okay. Bolton, um, Bolton at home, then. So, I had a lot of anxiety going into this. It felt important. I don't know why. <laughs> you, you're just so desperate for Des to get off the mark, and obviously Bolton were on a run of five wins in a row, not conceded in six, maybe, as well. And um, yeah, I think this was their seventh clean sheet, and John. You know, it, overall, it was a really solid performance with a, a spell where both sides had spells. And you'd probably say Bolton maybe just edged it because of the fact that one of their spells was um, pretty terrifying at the time. But it was a really good good performance um, at the back, especially. Yeah, I think his game of spells sums it up. And both teams were, were going for it in terms of trying to win a football match generally. Um, that last 25 minutes kind of had an ominous feel about it for sure but 
It was an interesting one. I think both teams did feel each other out a fair amount. Like Bolton's system was quite aggressive. So very early on, they were kind of both wing-backs flying up and sort of pushing us back and both teams compacting the centre of the pitch quite noticeably. So initially, we, we sort of seemed to just kind of be a bit, whoa, like, how do we adapt to this? But then we kind of pressed them better and got more control and actually created the better chances. And, that, and they actually had many chances themselves. So you sort of go at half-time going, actually, and the momentum's with us. Yeah, Jack, it was that Mills chance especially, wasn't it, before the Brannigan free kick, which was just a great free kick and a great save. But that Mills one, I actually don't think he did too badly. It was on target. It was kind of past the keeper and he managed to save it behind him. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's frustrating, isn't it? I think the the pass to him was slightly not into his run, so he had to take an extra touch, which probably allowed the keeper to get a bit closer than he might have otherwise um, have done. But it's a good save. and it's, it's a weird one because it didn't feel like that was the way we were going to get in, but suddenly we... Um, Kind of turned the ball over quite quickly. I think it was Harris actually who played a really nice pass and you know was dropping deeper, yeah. almost Harry Kane like. Um, but to to the point on Bolton, we kind of nullified them quite well. Really, their first shot once about the sixty fifth minute. Um, I think Charles put it over the bar, but we kind of nullified them reasonably well in the first half without ever particularly dominating ourselves. I think we were the better side in the first half. But we weren't dominating, um, but for a Game of League One football, you know, everyone can look at the result and go, oh, it was nil-nil. But I really enjoyed watching that last night. I thought it was two teams trying to play the right way. Um, no one was really trying to, you know, play in for a point as such. I think we were probably happy with it, you know, once you get into the last 10 minutes and Bolton were on top. But um, I just thought it was a really good advert for League One. Yeah, and Connor, that's the big thing, isn't it? Is that we were really competitive against that Bolton side. And you'd probably say a draw was a fair result, and that's a really big thing given their form um, and what they've been doing. To you know, they beat X to seven nil two three days before type thing. So, really yeah. good result. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it it really was a good result in the end. You know, I, I was there last night, and um, again to Jack's point, it was a really good advert for League One football because it was it was a re- it was a really good entertaining game of football despite the fact that there was no goals. And you know what? It's not very often you come away from a game and say a nil-nil was that entertaining. Um, I do think we deserve a lot of credit for the last 20 minutes in the way we defended our box. because After the shape change? Or, or, yeah, definitely after the shape change. But again, I think that was a, a, good, a very good decision, particularly... Um, where I was sat in the second half, obviously I had I had Mills and um, Stevens over you know, my side of the pitch, and you could see that Mills was his defensive shape was horrendous and really did not help Stevens at all. And one thing you know about Bolton is their wing backs are their dangerous players. They like to get balls in the box. They get you know they they score goals in in high xG spaces. You know they're kind of eight to twelve yards. You know they score goals in that space. Um, and they played kind of they go down one side and they try and come out the other end really quickly, or they would go down one and try and look for a cutback at the far post. And a few times their left wing back, a few you know, times, it was ball. like ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, 
and I think Stevens deserve a hell of a lot of credit for what he did in terms of his defensive his defensive game yesterday. But again, once Mills went off and there was the change with Negri coming on, that really solidified that that nullified that kind of that danger. And I do think if it would have been left any later for that change, I think they would have exploited I, it and they would have scored. The, and I, I just think defensively we were excellent last night. The only thing really, I'd say they, to that is that they should have given that their number three was just in mm. absolutely acres of space, like two, three times. And then was yeah. still in acres of space for the next like five, 10 minutes. We kept on saying, I remember Jack, when we were watching it, we just kept saying, Number three is open again. He's open again. The yeah. ball found its yeah. way to him almost every time. There was the chance that Beadle saved from him. Yeah. I think I said, left. you can't even see number three on the screen because he's hugging the touchline so much. He just watched Mills in particular just get closer and closer to the north stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just kept going <laughs> inside, it, didn't he? If, and you were like, yeah. look, at, turn your head. I can't believe... To be honest, with you, I can't believe where I was sat that that Buckingham or a coaching staff member wasn't just screaming, screaming at yeah. him. But that, yeah, but what to... I'm getting at is like all the good. I completely agree for the most part with your point. But if if one of those chances goes in on the fifth or sixth time, then number three was left on his own. Mm. Then we'd be having a very different conversation now. Perhaps, yeah, and but the change in shape absolutely was a necessity. You could argue maybe it needed to come a little bit earlier, but Negru did a good job in kind of was solid and the whole team structure looked back to us being competitive in the game and it being yeah. very even again, which was, which was I massive. think Beadle deserves a shout out as well. Yeah, definitely. Beadle made some very, very good saves. And in all fairness, so did their, so did their goalkeeper. Baxter played very well at the other end of the pitch. Um, like we mentioned earlier with a couple of chances we did have that were quite, I suppose, clear cut with Mills, but also the, the free kick from, from Brannigan, which was excellently and- saved. So, Bo- yeah, two two good goalkeepers. John Bowden had a few interesting shots, and it, it seems to be a little bit of a theme, doesn't it? Yeah, I've got all the time for him, but something about the quality of his shots in probably for quite a few games now, where he's either sort of basically not hitting them well enough or in the right sort of way, and he's, he's he makes an impact and he gets into areas and sort of. I think there's a lot about how he moves other players out of position, which is effective. But there are times where he's on the edge of the box, it goes over, or there was a particular chance at the start of the second half where he his first shot off, all right, fine, got blocked, but then it fell onto his left foot and he completely sort of like spooned it up. Um, and then he also looked quite, he, he seemed to drop off in fitness very quickly around the sort of 60-minute mark as well. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much you can do for him to say he's not going to dramatically improve. No, but that... I think there's, there's probably kind of, I think Billy Bowen should be on five goals plus this season from where he is now. Um, he, he, not that he's not making an impact. It was that moment, yeah, it came to him in the box on his left foot, then worked his way back to him about six seconds later for another good chance to get a shot off and both were fumbled. But I meant to say, actually, in the Cheltenham game, we were struck, you know, we were talking about maybe struggling to get bodies in the box to create chances. We were so reliant on um, long shots, basically. I don't know, Connor, if you kind of noticed that at Cheltenham, but most of the chances we were creating and the spaces we were working were ending up with, we'll have to just take a crack from 25, 30 yards. And it, yeah, it did feel, it does feel like we do rely on that quite a lot. Um, mm. but. 
this is was what I was saying last night to a couple of the guys I sit around and, and also to Soph about this is the, the little bit of a, a, a concern I do have of Harris um, in terms of the spaces that he operates in. You know, he is still someone I think he's better when he's running onto things or whether or not he's on the end of something, as in like a ball across the box from Mills when we've kind of exploited a slightly higher line, etc. Um, like at Orient. I do find when we do play that football in and around the box, or, you know, around the edge, when we do pin a team back, we don't seem to have much in the way of a, a smart move you know, from a player to just, you know, either a, a, a pass from Rodriguez, but we don't quite have the the capacity to kind of get in those tiny tight spaces to get a shot away. And sometimes it does result in recycling it mm. and then Brannigan going for a, you know, a fake shot, knocking it past someone and then having, having a dig. I do sometimes find that those kind of chances that we end up not really creating when we've pinned the team back, they don't seem to happen very often today. So it's a, it's a, I don't know if Jack's got a point to that. I just see you lean forward <laughs> into the microphone. No, it, it was more to expand on that, that I think you can hit pause numerous times in our highlights with one of our wingers on the edge of the penalty box out wide. And you then, you, you would think from pausing it, oh, Oxford will create a chance here or they'll win a first contact and have a shot or create, you know, something. And a number of times, nothing gets created often because there's not many bodies in the box and that comes into the negative if Harris is dropping out if you've got a number 10 who's wanting to be involved they're probably not getting into the box and then the flip side is and comes to my point about what kind of striker we might want to sign in January is a lot of the time our wingers are looking for crosses along the floor or they're looking for a cutback they're not looking to plonk it on a not just a big bloke, but a centre-forward style striker, a kind of Colby Bishop style, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the one I'd love is, is Ladapo, but I think that's probably bags of cash that is beyond us. But it just feels we have a lot of play in the attacking third out wide without ever creating, not enough, but no, it's def- it's definitely as much a as thing. it benefits. And it's also, without, I don't want this to be too moany, and or be that the people you're referring to in the South stand up, Connor, that shout. But uh, <laughs> there was a thing where Jack, the point you're making about if you pause or freeze frame certain moments where, like last night, we disrupted Bolton's flow. That we had them out of position as we moved into their half. That we had players in space, and you fast forward five ten seconds, and the ball was with Beadle or with um, <laughs> Elliot Moore. Or something, and there was aspects of last night where it was like we needed to get hold of the game and get possession back and just work something. And we do need to be patient at times, and that's how a lot of our success has been built on a lot of that. But um, there are also tight. Maybe there's there is still a balance there that we're not quite nailing, where we need to take advantage of teams being slightly out of shape and out of position when the game's level. Um, but I know we were talking about that a bit last night, John, weren't we as well? Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's not a revolutionary defensive, revolutionary, revolutionary um, defensive tactic. But if you kind of like, if I was watching Oxford, I would absolutely say if you sort of drew a triangle out from between the goalposts and sort of you, to your main central defenders and your central midfielders and says, "Look, don't let us, don't let Oxford into that space," they'll probably end up kind of faffing around by the sort of edge of the box between the fullback and the winger. There isn't much of a sort of 
there's almost an overfocus on ball retention. We don't kind of like to sort of use a phrase to sort of bang it in there and hope for a bit of chaos ball. It's all perhaps a bit too finessed at times. And that means teams can just go, well, all right, don't let them go through the middle and try and yeah, just delay them. And then we'll get, we'll we'll get set against this and give ourselves the best chance. Just looking ahead as well, our next league game being Peterborough, I was reading quite a bit about them over the last week or so, and apparently they're just a proper counter-attacking team this year. They've got so much pace um, with Mason Clark, Poku, um, Ricky J. Jones. It'd be a really interesting watch when we go there because they'll probably sit back even more so and want to play on the counter. Do we change up our style again? Are we? It's almost going to be the opposite of kind of a Cheltenham. We just want to get rid of the ball and are happy to block, whereas Peterborough will be pressing, but in a kind of, I suppose, mid-block, is that the term? Mm. Um, it's probably a, a type of style we haven't faced quite this season. We've faced teams who want to play it as much as we do. We've faced teams who want to load it in the box, but Peterborough are going to be somewhere in the middle. It's just I feel a little bit sorry for Des Buckingham, actually. The games he's come in for have been, I think George Ellick saying everything he says by the sounds, mentioned this on the dub, um, <laughs> that, you know, after Peterborough, it's read in, which is a massive game kind of for the fans more than anything. Um, they just won five just want ones, have, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they, they, they're picking up, exactly. So, yeah, I think these two cup games almost fall at the wrong time. They kind of break up the league flow a little bit. I, don't, I think you can see the cup games in a positive light, though, to get to allow Buckingham to look at the full squad in a bit more depth. Edwards gets more minutes in his legs, you hope, because he obviously came off at half time. Did he? How did he look, Connor? First half, did he look leggy or was he? No, he looked very sharp. To be honest with you, I was actually really surprised because when when the board, well, when the players were coming out of the tunnel, I was hoping not to see Mills. To be honest, um, I was hoping it was it was going to be a, a substitution that involved Mills coming off at half time because I actually thought that Edwards was was very good in the first half. Yeah, he is. He is. He is delightful to watch when he has the ball at his feet. I still think he just he just there's something about him. He's so mercurial. He's great. Murphy, I really do, really do like him. Murphy did have a couple of good moments yesterday after coming on as well, didn't he? Down that mm-hmm. left, and um, it's a good sign. I thought he was the most dangerous, dangerous player when you know when the game was swinging in Bolton's favour that last ten, fifteen minutes. I really thought that if there was going to be an outlet, it was going to be Murphy. Um, he's ahead, for me, he's, he's ahead of Goodrum. Like, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I, agreed. I agree. And, yeah. and you know, there's obviously a lot of nuance around Murphy that we just won't know because we're not behind the scenes. But you know, if Edwards wasn't sort of capable of clearly doing 45 or maybe 60 at push last night, I'd have probably been pushing for give Murphy a go from the start. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, you, there's no point debating Murphy. There's clearly stuff literally day by day with him that you just you've no idea so nice um it looked like the Bolton fans were complimentary of of us and the fact that both teams are trying to play football which was which was good to see that's always a good sign isn't it when you kind of check how the opposition fan base is feeling off the back of a result but um that was nice uh in terms of what's gone on across league one one thing that I did find I kind of people were have been feeling a little bit not necessarily doom and gloom but when you actually look at it on the face of it we've lost one in five one two and drawn the other two um beyond Cheltenham and we're still three points off the top obviously Pompey lost to Blackpool didn't they on Saturday he got pumped 4-0 after 
an unbeaten run stretching back to March, which was quite quite a surprise. And then Blackpool then go on and lose to Northampton at home um, last night and kind of came out of nowhere, I suppose. But um, the league is unpredictable. I guess, Connor, it kind of goes back to your point. If any team sets up in the right way against anyone, then yeah. the league's quite unpredictable at times. It is well, very much so. We were discussing about Derby fans wanting Paul Vaughan out about a month ago. They've just won four in a row without conceding, so yeah. to put themselves in the playoff picture. So I think this league's all over the shop this year, and it's really is anyone, if anyone, can get in the top six. Steve Evans is Stevenage have won four in a row until drawing um, to Peterborough, to be fair, after leading that game as well uh, last yeah. night. Peterborough came back twice to stop them getting five in a row. They're still up there. Yeah. And then you're looking at the other the other side of the table. Look at Wickham. Yeah, they've fallen the away. They've been, you know, they've fallen away massively. I mean, they had a good, partic- good fun, particularly after last night. <laughs> that is, I don't. Well, let's put it this way, listeners. If you've not seen what's happened at the Wickham game last night, I think you should go and find the goal that Barnsley scored on the 91st minute um, because you you have never seen anything like it in your life. What, what's your perspective on that goal? If it was against Oxford, you would be livid, but then you'd equally be livid at the goalkeeper for being an absolute... Mm. You can beep that out, the word I was going to say. Um, because it's pathetic. Absolutely yeah, pathetic. And well, I, I actually think, think it... great credit to the referee. Jack, as a go. level one goalkeeper, what would you, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it's eight years of time-wasting Wickham karma... Yes, coming out in yeah. one individual incident. <laughs> yes. Because he could have... Uh, the fact he just threw himself on the floor and that made him drop the ball is just hilarious. And then how he stands there as the Barnsley player rolls it in because he's just assuming the ref's going to give the free yeah. kick. It's yeah. just... And the way Cosgrove, just like... You can see in the video from behind the goal that Cosgrove is giving him an absolute mouthful after he's tapped that into an open net, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but yeah, like you say, Jack Karma at the highest level for Wickham, which is great to see. Um, any other results stand out to people? Obviously, that Northampton win away at Blackpool we talked about that. Um, yeah, Stevenage. I am just shocked at Stevenage and Reading, as we talked, we mentioned before, winning five one at home. They're they're not doing too badly now. They're kind of as as we said, they kind of they've won the last two, coming back into some form, just in time for us to rock up. Cheltenham, as we said, gone back to the bottom after losing to an Alfie May penalty late on at Charlton. Alfie May's having a bloody good season with 14 goals or whatever he's on now. Mm. Um, it's a bit frustrating, that. Yeah. Um, when you look at the... Um, what was it? The XG. And obviously, we've got Peterborough up next in the league. They're, they are top of the XG table uh, by quite a long way them and Pompey are right up there we're fifth um so not too far off I think we've kind of moved up in games where we haven't scored as many goals um because we were a bit further down weren't we at one point or the differential between expected goals versus what we were actually getting we were more we were very clinical based on the amount of chances created wow stat section guys just organically (laughs) come across it um yeah, so we've got Grimsby at home on Saturday. Uh, Con- yeah. Connor, pre, who's you, what's what's going on with Grimsby? 
Are they? How are they doing in League Two? I don't even know. They're they're, they're not doing particularly well, are they? Um, they are quite yeah. they're quite low down there. They're just above the relegation zone, if, if my memory serves. Um, they've just got a new manager though. Um, oh, so mate, might... Dave Artel. Yeah, Dave Artel. Oh, yeah. Who obviously did quite well at Crew. Um, so they might have a new manager bounce in an FA Cup tie, but we'll see. Um, I have got tickets, so I'm going on Saturday. Um, yeah, I think it's an opportunity for for some players, like we said earlier, you know, people like Murphy to you know to start. I mean, it's an FA Cup tie, so you're going to want to win it. The FA Cup is a special competition, and I still do believe you put you put a strong team out in a competition like the FA Cup because you want to go far. You know, we get past Grimsby and some of the big boys get in the hat um, or in the bowl, I suppose. Now it's not even a hat, is it? Um, so you know, <clears throat> hopefully we can see them off and then uh, hopefully get a nice tie, a nice away tie at a big Premier League team. That'd be nice. Or home tie, actually. Just trying to see if they've got any players. You know when they used to do the preview show and they used to ask Mr. Brodetsky like, about players that have played for both and that type of thing? What? Oh, this Danny is Rose is in the old Spurs player, Danny Rose. No. I think uh, Google's, <laughs> Google's having a... Um, no. A bit of a he's just, he plays for like there, Danny Rose is a striker. Uh, okay. <laughs> Hold on, Jack. Okay. They've got they've got Issa's brother, haven't they? Oh yeah, Abu Issa's brother. Abu Issa, yeah. Yeah, he's probably a danger man. Yeah, this this is some impromptu research going on on the yeah, podcast yeah. right now. The 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 played for both section goes as far as their centre back once trialed with us under Chris Wilder, so that'll do. How okay. do you know that? Are they still still sponsored by Young's Fish? Frozen fish. That's what I always think of. Probably. <laughs> I, assume so. I assume there'll be lots of the inflatable fish in the away end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm not banking on that being particularly uh, full. Right. So we've got Grimsby. Then we've got uh, yeah, Forest Green yeah. on Tuesday. And the, the, what's, what, the, which one is it? What's it called? Just the eight games in December. The Vianetta Cup. And then... Um, <laughs> I could get behind that. I love Vianetta. <laughs> yeah, same. Vianettas have gone downhill quality of the ice cream <laughs> it's not there <laughs> anyway and then it's peterborough on the ninth a few of you got tickets to that haven't you i'm gonna still try and go i haven't been very organized yeah i'm going is it sold out no. how did you get the tickets john uh wow connor you're fueling yeah. the you're not helping with the whole argument of john not going to games by getting him Helping him get tickets. I know, I'm buying him tickets. Look. It's because I feel sorry for him. I'm trying to get him to go to games. I'm like, come on, come on, go to them. Like, I'll even get your ticket for you. Yeah. I mean, I did get another ticket from someone else. So, oh. Some of the Peterborough form, they've had some good results, like beating Blackpool 4-2 away, beating Cambridge 5-0 at home, following that up with a 4-0 win to Burton. So they scored 9-2, then came back twice against Stevenage last time out, as we said. So... It's going to be. Um, is Clark Harris fit? I noticed he'd only scored four goals. Has he been injured? Yeah, he's fit, but they almost sold him in the window, so he's out of favour. They got other players who play ahead of him. Okay, interesting. Which rather sums up kind of their approach. I think if he's not getting the team and they're still scoring quite a lot of goals. Yeah. Yeah. True. All right, we'll probably be back. I reckon after Peterborough. Um, and yeah, thanks, chaps. We'll see you all soon. Thank you.